Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. It's 9.48 a.m. Central Standard Time. Thank God. Thank God we've gone back to Standard Time. Uh, It's November the 12th, 2018. And this is Bitcoin and episode 32. Uh, I have a little bit of news. I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but it looks like it might. Um, I might be doing my first interview with somebody in the gaming realm uh, about their views of Bitcoin and where it uh, might fit, where it does fit, where it should fit. These, these would be the kinds of questions that I'd be asking of this gentleman. And he is he is about as OG uh, uh video game developers as you can get um if he um we, we're supposed to be talking about the parameters of uh the interview later on today uh so i'm not going to mention any names in case this this whole thing falls through but uh i i'm getting kind of excited about about this one because like i said this this dude has been in the racket of video game production since the mid 70s <laughs> man he's been in it for a long time so uh, keep your fingers crossed for that. Uh, let's get into the morning roundup. Okay, first thing up in the stack is a Coindesk.com article. Bitcoin trader has been jailed and fined over $1.1 million for stealing Bitcoin and Litecoin and then defrauding investors to repay the loss. (laughs) Okay, so this is from Yogita Khatri. The U.S. Commodities Future Trading Commission has jailed a Bitcoin trader and fined him over $1 million for running a fraudulent Bitcoin and Litecoin scheme. According to a press release issued Friday by the CFTC, the trader, Arizona resident Joseph Kim, admitted to defrauding investors of hundreds of thousands of dollars after misappropriating more than $600,000 of his previous employer's funds. Okay, so this dude, what what ended up happening is he uh, transferred a whole bunch of Bitcoin and Litecoin from uh, the company that he was working for and put it into his private wallet. And then when he uh, got, uh, when the firm started to ask questions about where the the tokens went, he said that security issues with the crypto exchange required transfers into other accounts. Uh, No, no, that's, that's not, that's not, right so yeah after they after they figured this one out the the they immediately fired him but he was going to need to repay all this money i can only assume that he spent it or something like that so he started uh uh soliciting uh people to give him money for um 
uh, trading in crypto, and he took about $550,000 from what this article says, at least five customers between December and March of 2018. Uh, so now he's on the hook and he got, he got busted for that. Uh, so he is now on the hook for $1.146 million. And CFTC has permanently banned him from trading, including in cryptocurrencies. Well, good luck. Good luck with that. He won't be able to do it professionally or, or anything like that. But, uh, but he's, you know, you can still, you can still trade. You can, I can go to a, a public library and trade this stuff if I so choose. So, uh, next up in the stack is a tweet that, that I made in response to a Bitcoinist.com article talking about the upcoming uh, Bcash or Bitcoin Cash hard fork. Um, so what, what, what my tweet says is that it's a response to a, um, a quote that they made in the, in the article. And the quote is, ultimately, miners decide which rules the network follows. And my response is, only in network only in networks where the common person cannot participate by running their own full node. So let's, let's run into, to this a little bit. Um, <clears throat> the name of the article is BCH hard fork Bitcoin SV winning hash war against Bitcoin ABC. And it appears that what's happening is that by some metrics, um, it appears that the majority of the hash power, uh, which is the, you can think of the hash power as sort of like the engine that, that runs a network. Um, uh, the, the power that has gone over to uh, Craig Wright and, uh, and his group for the Bitcoin SV, which stands for Satoshi's Vision, um, is winning the hash war uh, by a lot, like a whole bunch, like by well over 50% of the hash power is indicating that it is going to go over to the Bitcoin SV uh, fork when it, when the fork comes up in three days. Uh, that fork is November the 15th. Um, but th that's, see, the thing here is that it's th this statement that the writer, the author of this, and the author is of, uh, let's see who the author is, uh, John Norsted, um, he makes this statement, and it's not a quote from Craig Wright or people from InChain, which is Craig Wright's uh, company, or Calvin Ayer, a proponent of Bitcoin Cash. It, it It's not, it's said by the author, and the author seems to believe that ultimately miners decide which rules the network follows. And we know this is false because of the uh, last year when this was, uh, uh, when the SegWit 2X fork, or what fork, but the quote unquote upgrade um, was happening. The uh, user activated soft fork people uh, of which I was one of them uh, got together and said, no, you're not upgrading to uh, two megabyte blocks uh, because the blocks are too big and there are problems with big blocks, which is a huge technical discussion that has no, no place here. Well, we can do that maybe later in another show. Um, and the way that we did that was by running our own full node. Now, that's not a mining node. 
Uh, we don't mine Bitcoins with a full node. We validate the transactions that are going across the network that ultimately go to the miners to get included in a block, and that block gets mined, and then the miners uh, get their their uh, Bitcoin reward. Uh, that can't happen with the size blocks in these the Satoshi's vision and uh, Bitcoin uh, Bitcoin Cash, which I normally call it Bcash, but um, the the blocks are so big that there's no hope for just the common person running uh, a full node to validate their own transactions, uh, help the network validate uh, other transactions, propagate transactions through the network because you're talking about like 32 megabyte blocks and they're coming across like every 10 minutes, just syncing, you know, trying to get your node to download all that information from scratch by itself is a huge, huge, you know, is going to become a huge, huge deal. The the Bitcoin uh, block size physically right now is one megabyte, but uh, the uh, SegWit uh, installation on the Bitcoin chain uh, increased that to uh, uh, kind of technically to like 2.1, 2.2 megabytes, but they're still fairly, you know, they're, they're still fairly small. So, you know, network, you know, if you have a bad internet connection, it's not, it doesn't really hurt you. Uh, but if you were trying to propagate 32 megabyte blocks or God forbid the 128 megabyte blocks, like what, uh, uh, Craig Wright wants, uh, good luck with that. So that's what in their world. Yeah. The miners do call all the shots and that's why you don't, I, I, I would no more be part of that, uh, that system than the man in the moon because it's not what I got into it's not what I got into Bitcoin for um, if you got into Bitcoin for different reasons hey man more power to you. you you do whatever you want it's just that myself and a whole bunch of other people don't like the thought of miners calling all the shots just like I really don't like the thought of nothing but developers calling all the shots or uh, full node uh, guys running all the shots. Uh, we're supposed to all be running the shots together in a, in a trustless manner. That's not what's going on with the Bitcoin Cash thing. And it's proving out to be, to be a mess. It's just a mess. Um, well, you know, so there's, there's, more, there's a little bit more Bcash news uh, coming up. But, you know, it, I kind of didn't expect that uh, you know Craig Wright would get the amount of hash power that he's gotten and it's going to tear their community apart and we'll see that uh, exactly how bad that's going to end up being uh, if it happens at all now there's there's always the possibility that either the whole thing gets called off or it ends up being a great big nothing burger technologically we don't know because this is all cutting edge tech right um, and, and, and the game theory that is emerging out of, uh, out of these, uh, out of these things is also, in, in my opinion, is probably not new insofar as the theory, but man, I mean, it's like every possible move you can make, uh, from, uh, from classical game theory is just, it seems like it's just playing out in spades and it's, it's actually kind of fascinating and I'm glad that it's not happening on the actual Bitcoin because I thought I thought the uh, USAF fork was, you know, uh, animosity between uh, uh, people was bad. And that was overshadowed by how bad it was when the uh, Bcash fork happened. 
but I've never seen anything. I haven't, I have yet to see anything like this. This is, this makes both of those times in Bitcoin look like a walk in, in Central Park in spring or something like that. So, uh, next up in the stack is, um, it's, it's a neat, it's a neat quote. It's not a, a story or anything, but, uh, Mark W. Yusko says in a tweet, one of my favorite investment quotes I learned from one of my favorite long slash short managers says it best quote, with every investment, we either get richer or wiser, never both, which I think is really good advice. It's, it's something to, uh, <laughs> something to keep in mind. The very last thing is, uh, Bashco, uh, or at B-A-S-H-C-O underscore tweets out, irony is totally lost on these knuckleheads. Good luck with your contentious hard fork. Don't say you weren't warned. And he's retweeting Oliver Janssen's, who's been a longtime proponent of, uh, well, fought for the uh, Bcash fork, uh, is completely in the Bcash camp, uh, hates core, you know, the whole the whole ball of wax. It's the it's the, he doesn't he doesn't think actual Bitcoin is actually Bitcoin. He thinks uh, Bcash is actually Bitcoin. And his tweet that was retweeted by Bashko says. And he's re- replying to a couple of, of people in a, in a thread, but he says, Craig is a huge deterrent to Satoshi vision adoption. You can't expect people to take Bitcoin cash seriously if a company and fork led by an obnoxious people threatening fraud takes the upper hand. A win that will make him even more prominent. If he wins... I will probably retract my support for BCH. And that's kind of a huge deal because Oliver Janssen's has been in the space for years and years and years. Um, so it looks like he, even he's, it looks like some people are like pretty much, I don't know, kind of like losing their, losing their desire to be anywhere close to, to be cash. And the sooner they learn that lesson, the better off everybody's going to be, especially them. Um, you know, because the, the Bcash, I just don't see how Bcash, either fork, I don't see how any of this survives what's coming up. And again, we'll get into what's coming up here in a, in a second. But uh, that's it for the morning round. I also want to take um, I want to take a minute to kind of showcase a product. Um, I'm not in any way, shape, or form affiliated with um, OpenDime or CoinKite, which is the parent company for OpenDime. But um, I have been looking at this product for a long time, and I think it's one of the most interesting things in the Bitcoin space uh, that there is, and. It circumvents, it circumvents um, a, a, a pain point with the way Bitcoin works. Because if I send you a transaction on the on the main network, and we're not talking about Lightning Network or any any of the second layer or third third layer uh, things to try to uh, reduce this friction. If I'm just doing an actual Bitcoin uh, transaction and I'm giving you Bitcoin. Um, not only do we have to wait 10 minutes for it to get into, you know, get into a mind block, but it can take up to an hour to confirm. 
uh, to make sure that there's enough block, like you wait six blocks, which is 60 minutes, so about an hour, because it, 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 the metrics suggest that to try to reverse that transaction after it's been in a block and, and that block and five other blocks go by, um, it's, you'd have to spend so much money to try to reverse that part of the chain that it's not, it's not economically viable. And I don't think anybody would really even care because if I send you a Bitcoin, I ain't sending you a, one whole Bitcoin. I'm sending you like 0. 0.003 or something like that. And it's just not worth it. But uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Rodolfo Novak has come up with the solution and, and it's old. I mean, if you're new to the space and you're listening to this, then you, you may not have heard of it. Uh, if you're old school, then yeah, clearly you've heard of it. So this is really for like people that, that are, you know, kind of new to, to getting into this. Uh, he has come up with a product that circumvents the need for me to give you Bitcoin by uh, uh, closing it on the, or uh, uh, transacting on the actual Bitcoin chain where we have to do the whole wait 10 minutes and then to make sure it's not going to get reversed or something like that, that we wait for like, you know, a full hour. Um, it's a USB stick and <clears throat> it's a special USB stick. It's not just like off the shelf. They, they manufacture these. And what it does is it acts as a Bitcoin wallet, but it's physical. It doesn't exist on your computer. You know, it's not like, you know, a, a Coinbase uh, wallet, you know, which isn't really a wallet or an exchange wallet, which also really isn't a wallet because if you're not holding your own keys, it's not your Bitcoin. This is uh, a piece of hardware and you slide it in, into the computer and then and only then will it actually generate a private key and it does it on its own chipset that's contained on the open dime itself and this thing is little it's like it literally is the size is like twice the size of a dime in in length it's just a tiny little thing and you shove it in your computer and to, for it to generate the private key um, you need to give it some uh, like some data like either like a you know a text you know maybe a text of I don't know like a Mallory poem or you know or like I don't know like the the story of Beowulf or you could you know, drop a couple of uh, JPEG uh, picture files on top of it, and it uses that data uh, to generate a, uh, what's called the private key, which is the key that only you should hold. That key can generate public keys that you can give to people for them to send you money if 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 you know if that's what you want to do. Um, <clears throat> at that point, you've got a Bitcoin wallet on a USB stick. And then you can like like throw one Bitcoin on it, which at this point is you know like sixty three hundred bucks. Um, so you throw a like a, a Bitcoin on it, and then you pull it out of the computer, and um, you could go physically hand it to somebody else. Um, what it, what this does is it it does a couple of things. One, it turns Bitcoin back into like folding money like dollar bills, right? Where you, that you can, that you physically carry those dollars and somebody that has a service or good that you want, you can give them cash and they give you the good of service. And that transaction is completely anonymous. As far as anybody else is concerned, it never happened except if they generate, you know, they generate you a receipt, but because it's a cash transaction, eh, you know, it's, there's not really a, a record of it. Um, now, if I make it, if I purchase like a hamburger or something like that with a, uh, 
credit card, then that transaction is known to the world, essentially is known to the world. This, I can put like six grand on it, or let's say, let's, let's say I put like, a, let's say I put, tw- oh, let's say 50 bucks. Uh, but I put 50 bucks on this thing and I walk up to a buddy of mine and say, you know, I want, um, or not even a buddy of mine, but somebody who knows what an open dime is, um, or somebody who's willing to learn about it on the fly and then hand them that and say, give me, you know, I don't know, this bag of marijuana, you know, like let's say that I'm buying it legally in, in Colorado for recreational purposes. Um, and I just hand them an open dime instead. They can take the open dime and put it into their computer. And then the way that it works is that they still don't know the private key. It's, it's, it's embedded in the chip that's on the open dime itself and it's not exposed. Um, they can look at the open dime and then uh, when the interface for the open dime comes up and it's all generated, the, the interface and everything is generated on the key. They don't need to download anything. It's all just right there. They pop in the computer, a screen comes up, says open dime. And the button that is most important for this discussion is the one that says check balances. And it, that check balance button enables you to check check that, uh, that uh, uh, wallet's balance through like, I think it's like six different blockchain explorers, which will validate and confirm to the user that the $50 that I put on there is actually on there. Once they validate it, then they're like, then they're good. They're fine. They take that, that open dime stick from me, give me the goods or services. I walk away. They walk away. I've just traded Bitcoin and not even seen the, the, uh, settled into the actual blockchain. Now, what's better about it is that this guy can take that and then he can go purchase a good or service with somebody else who knows what they're doing with this thing. And then they can trade and then that person can trade and on, 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 on down the chain. And and every time that's being traded is this little stick that people can verify that it has 50 bucks on it. All right. At one point or another, somebody's going to go, you know what, I'm, I'm going to have to convert this into fiat because, uh, the, the person, the people that uh, I pay my electricity bill to uh, is not going to take Bitcoin. Um, so I have to uh, figure out a way to get the the Bitcoin off of this stick. And this is where it's really, this is where Rodolfo really uh, hits it out of the park. There's a little hole in, in uh, at the end in one side of the stick that goes all the way, that kind of goes all the way through and you get a push pin or like, I don't know, a, it's a very small nail or, um, a, uh, you know, anything that's like a metal that's going to be able to pierce, uh, what's on the other side and you push it through and you literally pierce and destroy, um, one of the components in the board. And it's like a little transistor or, or, maybe I don't know exactly what it is. It, it could be a capacitor. It could be a transistor, but it's something that changes the entire architecture of the board. Now, when you put the board into the computer, it exposes the private key. And once you have that private key, then you're able to take and, and uh, uh, take the balance from that card and put it into Coinbase or wherever it is, or, or maybe I don't, you can't deposit Bitcoin into uh, Cash App right now, but if, if you could, you could deposit it into Cash App and then sell the, the Bitcoin and then turn it into cash. So what you've got here is 
uh, Rodolfo has turned Bitcoin into walking around money, you know, actual cash. And it's uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, go to uh, OpenDime.com, and uh, they th- now they are. I guess it, it depends on what you're going to use it for. I would not use these things to give somebody five bucks. Reason is, a three pack of costs thirty seven fifty USD, and um, it's um, <clears throat> it's. Um, I mean, yeah, it's like so. Each one of them is over ten bucks, right? So these things would be good for like putting a hundred bucks on, you know, two certainly like two hundred and fifty or you know something like that. But I, you know, past, you know, I, I wouldn't put less than what the thing is actually worth because it makes no sense. Now, if I remember correctly, Rodolfo does have plans uh, to try to make this these things even cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, and I think he will. But uh, I just wanted to kind of showcase this product because if you haven't seen it or don't understand the implications of being able to have off-chain transactions and not have to go through the actual Bitcoin blockchain to trade Bitcoin, um, then it, it would be worthwhile to take a look at this thing. So that's going to be it for me, Shill and Open Dime. Let's get into uh, let's get into the vitals. Vital statistics. So Bitcoin is at an average of 6,400. It looks like Bitfinex has got it at the high at 6,450. No, actually it's hit BTC, 6,455. And the low is going to be Bitstamp at 6,348. So we've got a, you know, I think $100 spread somewhere around there. Um, <clears throat> the uh, transactions of the last 24 hours is stable, a uh, quarter million. Uh, 745,000 BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. The uh, average transaction value is 2.72, so that's down. And uh, the median transaction value is down quite a bit too, 0.028, which gives a USD value of about $179. Block time is standard at 10 minutes, 31 seconds, with 134 blocks created in the last 24 hours. It looks like 0.12 BTC have been taken in fees per block. Uh, 1,675 Bitcoin have been created over the last 24 hours with 17.01 Bitcoin taken in fees. Hash rate has come back up. Uh, like uh, Right now it's about increased by about 9.5% and we are back at 52.2 exahashes per second. Uh, GitHub last commit was a couple of days ago on the 10th. Across the board, Ethereum's holding above 200 at 212. Bcash is at 531. Litecoin is at 51. Ethereum Classic is 9.26. Bitcoin Gold is 28.54. And Dogecoin is still losing ground at 0.0031. So that's, uh, yeah, that'll do it for the vital statistics for today. Let's do Marty's Bent for Friday, November the 9th, 2018, number 358, Miners, Energy Buyers of Last Resort. And he's going to bent on a uh, Twitter uh, exchange between a few people, uh, starting with Bob McElrath, 
negative or zero cost electricity is where Bitcoin mining is going. And he's got a, uh, he's linking to a tweet from upstream data. Another hash gen Bitcoin mining skid is set in place on this, on this beautiful winter's day here in Northern Alberta. And the Jonathan Leibov comes back and says, what is negative cost electricity? Good question. Uh, Arjun Balaji says, electricity needs to be used when it's generated. Sometimes at peak power, this results in excess. Transporting it is hard, so you pay for it to be taken away. Generators often can't start up and shut down rapidly, so they absorb the negative price. So Dan Plante says, the only time you will see zero or negative electricity cost is due to poorly advised or politically motivated regulations and contracts. Bob McElrath, who started this whole thing, comes back to say, in this example, upstream data is capturing natural gas that would otherwise be vented or flared and running a generator. It can be negative cost due to the cost and regulations requiring flaring. They might pay you to take the natural gas away, but it is not cost effective to sell the natural gas. He goes on to say in a a reply to himself, it is an example where transport is too costly, but using the energy where it's produced is cost effective. Jonathan Leibov asks, am I correct that, roughly speaking, there's not really any price at which it'd be more profitable to sell your energy for Bitcoin than to general market because global hash power increases with price, but rather a Bitcoin miner can always serve as the buyer of last resort. Bob McElrath says, I like that energy buyer of last resort. So Marty's bent is I stumbled across this thread on Twitter earlier this morning and thought it would be a good one to share with you freaks on this beautiful Friday since it sparks a pretty interesting debate and thought experiment. I must note, these two screenshots are from separate sections of the thread, so definitely check out the whole thing to get the full context of the conversation. The conversation was sparked by Upstream Data's tweet, which flaunted another one of their beautiful mining rigs taking advantage of natural gas, which would have otherwise been wasted and sent into the atmosphere to mint fresh bitcoins. What roving Bitcoin mining operations are able to provide is the ability for energy producers to liquidate their excess supply on location. This is supply that usually gets released into the atmosphere without ever being put to productive use. I really like the term Jonathan and Bob come up with, energy buyer of last resort. For years, energy producers have been burning off excess supplies, wasting precious resources that should be utilized to their fullest extent, especially considering their effect on the environment. The problem to date with this excess energy has been the fact that it is too expensive to transport to make it worthwhile for the producers. Bitcoin mining incentivizes ambitious entrepreneurs to take advantage of this fact and drive that transportation cost to zero as they are more willing to show up on location. Buying the excess energy at extremely low prices, yielding the producer's profit they would have otherwise never seen, and contributing to the security of the Bitcoin network while being rewarded in the process and hopefully making a profit. Bitcoin is a boon for energy efficiency. I would seriously question the competency of anyone who tells you otherwise. Uh, I quite agree. Uh, Next up is Chain Code Lightning Residency. All of the tutorials from our recent Lightning residencies are now online along with slides. Thanks again to our speakers. And there's a list of ads for Twitter speakers that went to the uh, Lightning residency. And this was a tweet from Chain Code Labs. And uh, 
Marty says, bummed you missed out on the chain code labs lightning residency a few weeks ago. Well, turn that frown upside down and peep all the talks and presentations here. So they've recorded everything and have released it to the public. And that's just the coolest damn thing. That's, that's me talking <clears throat> big merge. Uh, Bitcoin merges. Merge PR from Ryanovsky. Refactor. Start to separate wallet from node. Wow. Um, so this is a GitHub pull, uh, uh, GitHub pull request. Uh, and uh, this guy comes back and, and, and kind of uh, gets in on this and says, this is, the, this is a first step in clarifying the internal interfaces, but hopefully a step in making the project maintainable in the long run. Still a long way to go until full separation. So Marty says, here's a late addition to today's issue. This merge is a big step toward a future in which Bitcoin development may become much more efficient as the Bitcoin core team attempts to separate the wallet from the node in their implementation. I'm certainly no expert when it comes to Bitcoin development, but this refactoring process has been discussed for years now. It's great to see progress being made toward, <clears throat> towards a goal that may make Bitcoin more robust in the future. Cheers, Ryanovsky. Final thought. One time when I was on a skiing trip with my family in high school, my brother tried to show off in front of me and my cousin by running and jumping into the hot tub, but he wound up slipping on some ice upon launch and throw his rib cage into the rail. Oh, God, I've done this. Of the hot tub steps. I laughed so hard I pissed myself. That's not the last time I pissed in a hot tub, though. <laughs> Damn, Marty. Enjoy your weekend, freaks. All right, so that was Marty's Bent, and we want to thank Marty Bent for Marty's Bent, and we will read another Marty Bent, Marty's Bent when Marty Bent gets another Marty's Bent out there. And you can follow Marty Bent at Marty Bent on Twitter, and I advise you to do so. I also advise you to check out Tales from the Crypt at TFTC21 is Marty Bent's uh, podcast, and it's super good and not to be missed. Okay, today's Daily Trainwreck is brought to you by Tone Vase and Craig Wright, who had an interview the other day uh, where Tone was asking Craig uh, to go through the particulars of what's coming up with this uh, with this Bcash uh, Satoshi's vision versus Bcash ABC implementations where we had, uh, I touched on it before in a couple of stories today about this upcoming hard fork on November the, f the 15th and alluded to the fact that this one is pretty bad. Um, it makes the, the user-activated soft fork and then the uh, Bcash split off from Bitcoin wars look like we were nerf gunning each other. This one is vile. I, this one is really, really vile. So let me just let Craig Wright in his interview with Tone Vase, uh, and it's about, a it's about a minute of audio, that should describe very clearly just how bad this is going to be. Um, I'm sorry, but you seem to think I actually care. We're going to see. You have to actually get like uh, a lot of blocks before anything matters. We're going to teach you that if you sell um, their side of it, we'll bankrupt you. There is nothing for it. It doesn't exist. So if you take a bet on whether it exists. And you bet against hash power, you bet against Bitcoin. We are not going to let a single SV 
um, sort of alternative, as you put it, uh, no BCH from ABC will ever trade on an exchange. You buy one, you can never move it. We are going to make sure that hash power says no exchange ever sells a single ABC coin. Go for it, buy it, risk your money. If we see an exchange sell it, we will reject the transaction. Oh God. So, okay. So it was that, it's that very, I mean, he says it a, a couple of times, but it's the very last thing that he says that, that kind of solidifies it, that he's going, he's going to overturn exchanges that try to sell any kind of Bitcoin cash. And this, this goes back to his threat that he made in an email to Roger Ver, who is pretty much the front guy for Bitcoin ABC. Um, that there will be no trading of Bitcoin for, I think he said for two years, that no coin can move. And this is what he's talking about. He's somehow or another has got enough hash power. And I don't know if he can make good on the threat. I mean, technically, if you have enough hash power, yes, you can. What remains to be seen is, does he have enough? I don't know. I mean, nobody, and nobody really does. And anybody who tells you otherwise either doesn't know what they're talking about or they're blowing smoke up your ass because we just don't know. Uh, in the, at the, you know, at the very end of the day, people can flip flop and say, you know, I don't want to be with Satoshi's vision and they take their mining hash rate and move it over to Bitcoin ABC until this fork happens. And until an exchange tries to, tries to sell ABC and until Craig makes good on his threat that he can basically either uh, or just not won't take that transaction into into a, because he's he's going to attack the Bitcoin ABC chain. Um, if that happens and he does or is able to actually do that, then we'll know for sure. We'll know for out, you know, absolute sure that you don't want to have anything to do with either one of these chains. One, because one of them is being attacked. And the other, uh, I wouldn't be on it because the guy who's running that chain um, would do the exact same thing to his own chain. Uh, this is not decentralized. This is pure centralization. This is not at all what Bitcoin was supposed to be about. Bitcoin was about me being able to conduct business with somebody I've never met, somebody's history I don't know. And I don't need to know whether they're a thief. I don't need to know whether they're a con man. I, you know, I don't need to know any of that. If I choose to conduct business with uh, this, like, let's say the most unsavory person in the world, as it turns out, but I don't even know, as long as I get my product good and service and I'm satisfied with that, they get their Bitcoin and they're satisfied with that. We make that trade. That's nobody's business. What Craig is, uh, what he's saying is that he's going to be standing in between every single transaction on both chains. That's what he's telling me, that he is going to be the middleman and he is going to be the trusted third party, which was exactly what this entire experiment is supposed to get rid of. I don't need somebody verifying that I can do business with another person. I should be able to shoot, make, you know, make those selections and make those choices myself. And it is very, very clear that Craig is not interested, not interested in the least 
in having anything to do with what would be considered Satoshi's vision because he is the antithesis of everything that was in the original white paper and everything that has uh, these people have worked all these, uh, thousands of people have worked on for 10 years and that's why I I don't think that the Bcash camp is going to be, I don't think they're going to have any teeth against bi the actual bitcoin I think they're going to burn themselves down through this very ugly very vile uh very warlike uh, posturing, uh, hash warring, all this, all the 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 garbage that has gone into this is just just going to suck them dry. So that's your daily train wreck for today. Okay, people, I'm out. Uh, good to be here with you on Monday. We had a massive winter storm up here. Well, not massive, but it did put like, you know, about like two inches of snow on the ground and all the streets are messed up and it's really, really cold. And it's like our first, you know, snow, of the snow of the winter up here in the panhandle of Texas. It was a, it was widespread. So from that standpoint, it was a massive storm, but, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those days. It's just nice to be hanging out at the house and not going outside so um so i get to be here with you guys and that's that's always nice again um i am very much excited about the possibility of being able to do my first interview with this gentleman from the world of gaming and i want to specifically be talking about uh his views in his experience that goes back to 1970 like mid 70s um game economies how they've been wrecked in the past. Um, w if Bitcoin had been part of the gaming, you know, infrastructure, or, or you know, would it have changed anything? Um, should it not be considered? Uh, what are going to be, you know, like the pushback uh, of game developers to not do this? Um, is there, you know, like I want to get into all of that because this podcast needs to go forward into what it was originally intended to be, where we talk about Bitcoin and something else and this is uh my first uh my first time that i've reached out to somebody in a, in a completely different industry because we've talked to our own industry leaders like i mean it's all been done to death i, mean, I love listening to, to all the guys in this space talk but we've been talking to each other for like five years now and i want to start talking to other people that are outside the industry especially industries that are going to feel the friction of Bitcoin when the system gets big enough that it starts rubbing up against other systems. And gaming is ripe, ripe to have Bitcoin rub up against it. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Cross your fingers for me. Um, I'll be talking to him later today and get the uh, parameters chucked out and we'll we'll see. And I'll, I'll hope to uh, get you that interview as, as soon as humanly possible. Other than that, we will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.